0: You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10:30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. And Now for this week's sermon. Thank you, Pastor. It is a real joy to be able to sneak up here and and uh, be granted uh, opportunity to share with you this morning. Uh, When I uh, was at my daughter's, who lives in Medford, my littlest granddaughter, Sadie, who is six, who is the character, um, said, I want to go. I said, why do you want to go? She says, I want to go to the old grandma's house where the white angel lady lives, Grace, (laughs) as she calls her, the white angel lady. And the kitty that would that, that is, that is uh, alone because her sister and the great-grandma passed away. So I didn't know she even remembered those things, but she's uh, got a fond memory of coming up here and riding her scooter around the block and, and sleeping in the old grandma's bed, which was a real thing. And she said, Mom, she's telling her mom, she said, Mom, the old grandma had a huge tub and it's a big jacuzzi tub. And to her, that was like an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So she has some real fond memories of coming up here. So I had to greet you from her. So she, bless her heart. So uh, we are just excited about our food ministry. Um, we have just been blessed to continually. I picked up another commercial freezer and refrigerator that's probably a $5,000 one man donated it and uh, was able to get it and take it to one of my satellite groups where now that ministry has grown from maybe 8 or 10 people a week giving them food. Uh, uh, The uh, group there that is handing out food is giving out to almost a 100. Just a mile or two from the business that they operate, of his regular business, just a mile or two is an open area. And there are a number of motorhomes and campers and even some tents where people are there because they have nowhere to go and they, they don't have their jobs. And uh, as you know, the COVID thing has just uh, collapsed a lot of things. And so they have now taken food out to these people and sharing with them. And it's been amazing. Um, uh, t- uh, two weeks ago, I had a phone call on a Friday and uh, a gentleman called me and he said, yes, uh, you're, are you with the uh, pantry there? And I said, yes. And so he asked me some questions, and I said, he says, well, I'm, in, you know, I'm trying to find you. And I said, well, today is Friday. We do it on Thursday. He said, oh, I understood you're open today. And I said, well, where are you right now? And he, he says, I live in Ventura, but I came to Camarillo. Well, I had just dropped my son off at his work, and I was probably 15 minutes from the church. So I said, listen, you come to the church. I always have some left over. I'll give you some food today. Will that help you? He oh, boy. And he started to tell me about his life. I got there, and this man has been a uh, veteran. And uh, he has been crossed up in all the red tape and everything. Make a long story short, he's barely getting by. He's had 29 surgeries. They want to rebuild his shoulder for the third time now. He's shown me some of his scars and stuff. Just unbelievable. And so, you know, I got him loaded up with all kinds of food canned goods and fresh produce and some other things. And uh, when he was talking to me, I said to him, I said, Henry, I said, would you allow me to pray for you before you leave? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Yeah, you could do that. So I put my arm around him, and I began to pray for him, and I sensed a compassion towards this man. And I began to weep as I prayed for him that God would bring healing to his body, that God would reveal himself to him, that he would have eternal life. And as I prayed with him, I sensed the anointing of the Holy Spirit there. And when I got done, I wiped my tears away, and he just stood there. He was like in like in memorized, uh, uh, just uh, he didn't know what to say. And I could sense that he had felt the same thing that I had felt. And I told him, I said, Henry, that is God's Holy Spirit that he is sent to touch us, to be with us, to lead us and to guide us into truth. I believe you've had a visitation. He said, I, 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 if that's what it is, that's what I got. And so now he's wanting to help. He's coming. He came to church last Sunday, and I'm praying for his family now. And so we never know what God is going to do. It is the Spirit that brings life. The flesh profits nothing and that's what I want to talk to you this morning about if you will turn in your bibles to John the 4th chapter this is a familiar passage of scripture John chapter 4 Jesus is traveling with his disciples into northern Israel and instead of going around Samaria like the Jews did he does not detour it he sees up ahead he knows this woman is going to be at the well gathering water in the middle of the day When all the rest of them uh, come out at different times, she comes because she has been a woman of uh, immoral uh, uh, lifestyle, and she's probably an outcast, so she comes at a different time by herself. And they have a dialogue, which we're going to read here in just a moment, and a fundamental truth that we must understand from this conversation that Jesus makes in a statement to her. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. And, uh, you know, in John's gospel, I love John's gospel. I always give it to new converts. I like to give them a little gospel of John and have them read it because it's more, John writes more what Jesus says than what he does a lot. And so we get the words of Jesus and he says, my words are life. And so we, when we give the Gospel of John, it's one of the greatest things to give people. Uh, I've given it one night, a cashier, young man in college, and I would see him almost every night. And I finally began to share with him a little bit. And I said to him, I said, one, have you ever read the story of Jesus? Now notice what I said. Have you ever read the story of Jesus? I didn't say, you know, are you a Christian? You need to get saved. I didn't do all that. I just said to him, have you ever read the story of Jesus? And he looked at me and he said, no, I I never have. And I said, if I give you the story of Jesus, would you read it? He said, sure. So in my car, I keep the Gospel of John's. And I went out and I got one. And I came in and I gave it to him, brand new one. And I said, here you go. And I said, I just ask you to do one thing besides read it. He said, what's that? I said, ask God to show himself to you in these verses. He said, okay. And I said, I'll be praying for you. One read that, and I, every week I'd come in, I, I'd ask him where he was. He said, oh, I read the other day about this, this, and I didn't know that. I didn't know, I've heard something like that, but I read it. And so about four or five weeks went into it, and he finished the Gospel of John. And he said to me, um, or I said to him afterwards, I said, what do you make of that, of the story of Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And then he died on the cross and rose. And he looked at me for a moment and it was like a light bulb went on. He said, yes, I believe that. Well, friends, those words were coming from his heart. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you speak with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be what? You'll be saved. I believe at that moment, his name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. It's amazing the different ways the Spirit can lead us to share our faith. But John also writes, he says in the last chapter there, he says, There are many more things which Jesus did and said, which I suppose the, the libraries of the world couldn't contain it. Your, your pastor and I have many more things to tell you, but it would not be beneficial to you about our childhood this morning. So we won't go there. <laughs> John chapter four, when therefore the Lord knew how the the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Uh, In one of the churches that I pastored, a man came by and began to get, uh, he was a relative of some of the people in our church, he began to get some of these people in our church away into a home Bible study. And he began to get into a lot of uh, things that I did not agree with. And one of the things that he did was, is he told them they all needed to be rebaptized, And uh, he, that, he got into a whole thing with them and took them out and got them rebaptized. Now, do you notice that Jesus did not baptize, but the disciples did? Who was more qualified? Jesus. And yet he turned that to the disciples. There are so many crazy little things around that are flesh that people want to to, uh, get into and to get pulled away from. I want to tell you, your pastors here are godly, dear people. Uh, You need to watch these other doctrines that get floating around some new thing or some new uh, prophet or an apostle that shows up out here and has something. Oh, boy, you're not getting enough. You need a deeper something or other. And those people got off with that guy, and it messed a lot of their lives up, and some of them even divorced. It was terrible. And uh, there's things like that. Well, here's just one example as we read. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because we want to get to the main crux of what Jesus is going to do. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And uh, there there cometh a a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest, the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep, from whence uh, then have you that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be to him a well of living water, a wellspring, a springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said unto him, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, You've well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her woman believe me the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the father you worship what you do not know we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship god is a spirit They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your divine providence. We thank you for the little things in our life that you drop in when sometimes we're not even aware that it's you. And Lord, we thank you because you are great and mighty. And in your dimension, there is wonderful glory and peace that we someday shall be able to explore and experience with you. For this we rejoice that our names are written in your Lamb's book of life. Lord, may you reveal things to us today so that we can be your servants. We can go out into the highways and byways, and not only for our own salvation, but for those we come across, be seeds and be water and be anointing to those out there that you've called us to address. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The idea of worship is something that we need to really understand. For some people, worship is some kind of great emotional upheaval of of, uh, looking to God and making expressions that are sometimes very emotional. I was with a dear friend of ours, Dale Van uh, Steenis, a fine man of God, a number of years ago, way back in my early 20s, and we went to this meeting in San Jose, California, by this well-known evangelist. And uh, while we were there and things got going, the music got going, and I mean people were up dancing and yelling and going on and carrying on. And I mean, it got, it was as wild as I have ever seen it. And I've been around a lot of Pentecostal type meetings and tent meetings and things where, you know, supernatural things and fleshly things and everything else in between get going. But this was the probably the wildest group that I had ever seen in my life. And so as we were on our way out the door, all the music was going and these people were just in pandemonium, this lady reached out and grabbed my arm as I was going through the door. She grabbed my arm like this and pulled me back in. And she looked at me in my eyes and she said, you don't believe this, do you? And uh, I said, ma'am, I'm a believer, a strong believer. And I left. And they were believing that that was worship. And we have people that, that uh, come into a church where it's very quiet, it's very sedate, about the only thing moving on the wall is the ivy on the outside of the building. We have a, That's a different type of worship. And then we have others who kneel, stand, do whatever. Well, the word worship is is... A very interesting word when we look at it from its original context and from its original wording in in both the Greek and the Hebrew. It is expressions, yes, of outer expressions. The Persians were known, the, the first to be known, to go down and touch their forehead to the ground. We see all in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, people bowing. People extolling themselves unto the Lord, in kneeling or prostrating before the Lord and doing homage unto God. This is a sense, a type of worship. But worship is much deeper than that, and Jesus is going to talk to this woman about it. And we see it in Abraham. when he laughs and he's on his face and he says, Shall Sarah give birth when she's 90 years old? And he's, but he's worshipping, he's down on his face. We saw that Balaam, uh, when he saw the angel of the Lord after the donkey was talking to him, he realized God's uh, 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 angel was there and he fell on his face before God. And we remember Joshua, when he saw the angel or the Lord, as some people believe it really was, when he said, Whose side are you on? And they fell on their faces. Another time when they lost the battle of Ai, it says that Joshua and Caleb went into the, to the, to the uh, holy place. And there, and they fell on their faces before God said, why did this happen to us? And God had to reveal. We go on, the lady, uh, Ruth, uh, also falling on her face. David in 1 Samuel falls on his face. Abigail, this this wonderful woman who was married to this terrible man. And David was about to go and do him in for not uh, giving food to them when they had been doing the work of protecting him. And she came and, and bowed down before David and said, don't do this to this foolish man. I, I, I beg you. And so later on, uh, as he didn't do that, later on, the man died and David married Abigail. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, the last one left, when he was called, he came in trembling and he fell on his face before David, and uh, David wanted to do something kind to him, and he didn't know that. And Joab and Ezekiel and Daniel, the disciples, all of these men, even Jesus himself before the Father, the night before the crucifix, was found on his face, and tears coming out as Jesus wept and and sought him. And we remember the lepers and the others that came falling on their faces before God. We need more times like this. Uh, some time ago, uh, I was with a lady who I've known for a long, long time, and she loves God. And her son had conducted cancer, thirty-year-old young man, in his tongue, and uh, they went in and they had to, they cut a, 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 they only left a third of his tongue, so he could not hardly talk. He was having a hard time eating and everything. We thought he was going to die, and it, it affected her emotionally. She's a nurse. And uh, she couldn't. She went into work that morning and she called me and she said, I could tell something's wrong. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, can you come pick me up from work? I'm having a problem. I said, I'm on my way. I'll be there in 15 minutes. So I went over and I picked her up. And we talked and we prayed. And uh, the next day she made an appointment with her physical doctor. She was beginning to have some physical as well as the psychological problems of this. And so on the way taking her to the doctor, all of a sudden I sensed the presence of God come into my car. No, I wasn't praying. I wasn't doing anything. I sensed the very spirit of the living God enter into my car while I was driving. And before I pulled into the, the parking uh, lot area there, the parking building, I began to express to her. I said, oh, oh. I, I couldn't hardly talk. She said, what's the matter? I said, I feel God's presence. I feel God's presence. And I began to worship and and, and lift one hand up. And I parked real quick. And I got there and I bent over. I was so... Uh, moved by the presence that I felt that I bent myself over the steering wheel and I began to talk to the Lord and worship it and be still in his presence. And she began to sense it. We went into the doctor and she asked me to go in with her. So I went in and sat with her and the doctor came in to talk with her and to me. And afterwards she said, I don't know that I've ever felt God's presence that strong. What was that all about? And I said, Jesus said this, He said, the spirit is like the wind. What spirit, you know, in some forms in the Greek, uh, it comes from a Greek word pneuma, which means breath or wind. It has that connotation to it. We don't know where it comes from and where it goes. You see, God can move at any time, wherever he wants, whenever he wants. He can do what he wants to do. And so when Jesus is talking about, to this woman, about spirit and truth, There is something deep that we need to understand. Yes, we worship. We lift our hands. We run the aisles sometimes. We come to the altar and we bow our faces down. That's all part of the outward of what should be going on on the inside. The Spirit brings the life. It is the very life. It says that God breathed into Adam. What is that? The breath of God, the spirit of God in him. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And so we must remember that from our experience, it is important that we know God from the spirit. If you worship the Lord, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the truth goes along with it with is knowing what's going on knowing Jesus knowing that he is God's only son knowing that he is the only one that can get us to heaven he is the door to the sheepfold yep. That is the truth that he speaks and he says my 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 words are truth and they are life you see and so the spirit of God is what we seek after there are so many people who come through the rituals of church life Even saying, some of our politicians, I'm praying for the president and I'm this and that. And yet their lives and the rest of their their ingredients don't match up with what God talks about in the Bible. So Jesus says to this woman, and watch this, you don't know what you worship. You know there's a lot of people that worship, that go through church life and church experiences, but they don't know what they're worshiping. They don't know who they're worshiping. They think they do, but this woman had to be brought into a clear revelation of who Jesus is. The one that was right there is the one that could give her this living water, this spirit life. And you know, as Paul was preaching and teaching, he came across this dear couple named Aquila and Priscilla. Do you remember them in in the book of Acts? What a great couple. They supported and helped Paul. They helped teach. And Apollos, they heard Apollos preach. And he was a great preacher. All the physical things and the way he spoke and his eloquence was all great. But there was something missing in Apollos' life. It was the Spirit. And so they got him aside... Now, this man, I like this man because not only was an intelligent, great guy, but he was open to people that he had never really known before, sitting him down and talking and explaining something that he didn't know about. They began to teach him about Jesus and the resurrection. And he received it. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, this is like a lot of people. They are doing certain regiment duties within the church. They are doing numbers of things. They are feeling like they're doing their worship or their religious activities, when in truth, there's no spirit life there. A number of years ago, I say a number of years ago because we're getting older now, aren't we? (laughs) I was called by a family to go and visit one of their members of the family, a great-grandmother This family had come in and got saved in her church, and uh, one of the husbands had got delivered miraculously in the service of heroin. No withdrawals, no nothing, just like what you hear Dave Wilkerson. It was a miracle. We all were astounded at God's presence that Sunday morning there in Fillmore. And so as they began to grow a little bit, they wanted me to go to the hospital and visit the great-grandmother. And they told me she has been Catholic all her life. She's a really good woman, but would you go and pray with her? They say she only has a few days left to live. And so I went up to the hospital there in Ventura, and uh, I met this sweet little lady, and she had her rosary beads and her cross in her hand. Dear little lady... And I talked with her a little bit, and I said, I'll bet you know how to cook Mexican food. Oh, she says, you like Mexican food? Oh, yeah. So I named off some things that I grew up with. And she began to tell me how she would do this, this, and this. And I just began to talk with Mary a little bit to get to know her. And I said to her, finally, I said to her, I said, Mary, I said, are you going to go to heaven? And she said, oh, yes. I said, why are you going to go to heaven, Mary? And she held up her rosary, and she said, because I've always been a good person. And she began to tell me some things she did. How she helped in their church and how she did this and that. I said to her, I said, oh Mary, I held my Bible up. That doesn't agree with what this Bible says. She says, what? I said, oh, good people don't get to go to heaven. She looked at me and she said, what in the ever would you say that? I said, the Bible tells me sinners go to heaven by grace, not by what you do. Her eyes got big and she looked. She said, tell me more. So I said, let me tell you what Jesus and what Paul and what Peter say." And I began to read her scriptures. And I said, you must be born again of the Holy Spirit. And tears began to well up in her eyes. And I said, Mary, I said, you believe in a lot of things and you want to do good. But do you have the life of Jesus? Have you confessed your sins to Jesus? Have you asked him to come into your heart? you believe he resurrected on the third day and tears began to stream down her face and she said pray for me pastor so i led her in a sinner's prayer that night she went off to be with glory but you see she was sincere a lot of people are sincere but they're walking down the wrong pathway why because they don't have the life the spirit of the lord residing within them it is the spirit that gives life i talk to Christians every once in a while. I'll talk to somebody. And I, Are you a Christian? They say, yes. So I'm talking to them. And, you know, they said, what is this thing about the Spirit? Well, first of all, you can't be saved if you don't have the Spirit. And then when you receive the Lord Jesus, then he offers you power, dynamic power, a boldness, an authority, and some other avenues to enhance your experience with Jesus by serving. And he can lead you. He can speak to you. He can guide you. He can convict you. He will do a lot of things that you just can't do in yourself. That's called being a spirit believer, a person walking in the spirit of Christ. One of these says, that sounds weird to me. No, it's not weird. That's the norm. What you're doing is the weird part if you're not walking in the spirit. When we're praying, sometimes God, how many of you have had this happen? You're praying and all of a sudden something drops into your mind. A person, a situation, a whatever. Yes, that's the spirit. That's the results of the spirit. And so when Jesus is talking to this woman, he tells her that the Father wants people to worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. Not in activities. Those are, some of them are very important. But he wants them to worship him from their spirit. And what did Jesus say the first commandment was? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, And your strength, yes, it all begins from the inner man. We can look good on the outside, but we must have the spirit of the living and the true God. And so when I've shared with people, I've asked them, are you going to heaven? Why do you think you're going to heaven? It's amazing how many people will give you answers that collide with a verse like this or several others in the Bible. You must have the spirit of Christ. A religious man, look at this man, a religious man by the name of Nicodemus. He told him, you must be born again, born of the spirit. You were born first with your mother, out of your mother's womb and so on and so forth. This man, it just didn't gel with him. You must be born of the spirit. You see, praise God. I would not be here with you today had it not been for the spirit of God. I'd have been up doing other things in my life. Who knows what? One, one night I had a dream and I went back to when I really, really came to Jesus. I knew God. I believed in God. All those things growing up. But I'd never experienced Him until I was about 18 and a half years old. And really experienced the Lord. And then began to grow from there and felt the call of the ministry and all of those things that happened in my life. And I was one night I had a dream that it was back at the very beginning when I came to Jesus. And uh, It was like the Lord spoke to me and said, there was a crossroads there, and you could have gone to the left at that junction, but you chose my way. And it was like I realized at that moment, I could have missed everything in my life. I told a friend one time, I said, and she said to me, she said, uh, you know, I had opportunities for other things in my life. She says, well, she says, are you glad you made that choice? I said, I wouldn't trade it for all the money, all the experiences in that side for nothing of what I've experienced here. And, and, uh, so as I, as I woke up that morning, I woke up and I was weeping. It was such a revelation to me that the Spirit of God had come to me in my sleep and had showed me this. And I wish it had the other things happen like at all time. It just happens once in a while, but it's wonderful. And so I called my friend Dennis, who uh, Larry, uh, Pastor Larry and I uh, know, know the same way, uh, not quite as long as Pastor and I have known each other, but he's also one of our close friends. And I called him, and I was crying. I said, Dennis, Dennis, we almost missed it. He said, what? What are you talking about? I said, we almost missed it. I said, I had a dream, and the Lord showed me how we could have missed it in our lives. And he got touched, the Spirit of the Lord began to touch him. And we talked for a while about our walk with Jesus Christ, about the Spirit of God convicting our heart, about leading us in new paths that we had not known. Here it was, it was the very Spirit of Christ. In Revelation, we see them falling on their faces before God. Oh, friends, we need more of that. When I took this little lady home that her son's tongue was all swollen and uh, partially gone now, and she didn't know if he'd lived to his 31st birthday. We got home, and as we got home, We fell on the carpet in our front room on our faces before God. We said, oh, God, be merciful and bring healing to this young man. Let him fulfill his life in you. Oh, God, don't let him be taken before his time. God, be merciful. And we wept together and we laid on our faces before God. We need that in our churches, especially today. We need pure worship in the Spirit, along with the physical side of putting our faces down on the ground, prostrating. I have people tell me, well, I have bad knees, I have this and that. Well, that's okay. You can't do it. God sees your heart. But you make an effort to give God worship in the Spirit before Him as He allows you to talk to Him and visit Him and commune with Him in the Spirit. Last thought, I was in the hospital here a while back, and uh, I was talking to this guy, and the doctor came in, and he said, well, he said, I have, uh, and he said, oh, it's my pastor. Just, it's fine. You can talk in front of him. And the daughter and their little, little girl or little boy were there with their husband and said, you can talk. This is all family. This is our pastor. And so he began to share. He said, this is the prognosis. He said, you may only have a week or, or a few days to live. We're not sure. This is so on and so forth. And he went down through his chart and he told them." And uh, the guy starts smiling and the doctor said, what are you smiling about? He says, man, he said, "My, my, my, my eternity is about to come. I can't wait. He said, can you speed it up? And the doctor looked at him like he was crazy. He says, oh my God, doctor, he says, can you imagine this? He told his daughter was weeping and wiping tears. He said, you guys, can you believe this? He said, I get to go into another dimension where there's no more sickness or dying. Can you believe this? He, said, he was just smiling like he was going on the bus to Disneyland. And he started to explain stuff. And the doctor was moved. And the little grandson, who is about my granddaughter's age, my littlest one, says he he got over and got inside and crawled up there with grandpa and grandpa, and he says he said, "What's the matter?" And the little boy said, "I want to go too." <laughs> We need to teach our children these things. We're going to walk in the Spirit. And someday this old body is going to lay down like a like a garment. And we're going to go off to meet the Lord in the air. And there shall we ever be with the Lord. Why? Because it's the Spirit that gives us life. That same Spirit that raised up Jesus shall make us alive in Him. Can you imagine that? Paul understood it. He said that same Spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead will dwell in you. It will give you life and power. It will reveal things to you you never knew. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? And if you don't, if you have been religious, God bless you. But you need to come before the throne today. You need to bow your heart and touch your face to the ground and say, Oh, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me. I receive you. You resurrected. I believe that. I want to be known in the spirit as well as the flesh. And as we pray this morning, if there's anyone here this morning, you've just come to that place in your life where the Holy Spirit has just tugged at your heart a little bit. And uh, I don't know everybody here, but uh, if there is and you're there, you could pray this morning as we close in prayer. Amen. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray this morning, Lord, that you will visit us right now, that we will understand the things, the mighty things of the Spirit. Lord, may you elevate this church, Lord, the prayer warriors, those that labor, and those the others. But most of all, may we see people on their faces. May we see people reaching out to you and acknowledging you for our nation, for our families, for our neighbors, for the businesses that are going through great stress. And Lord, we pray that you'll gather in souls this year in this church. Lord, as this uh, season begins to wind down, it will mean one thing. The harvesting was great. That many folks came to Jesus. And Lord, we want that water that gives everlasting life. That we will never thirst again. And we are so grateful for that. Now, Lord, put your spirit into us. Move upon this congregation. Ascend upon us. For your glory and your honor in your resurrected power, we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Everyone said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. God bless you. Such a privilege to be with you. If you need prayer or something, or something I said this morning, feel free to come and talk. Amen.